What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. So today, I'm going to tell you guys about the timeline of the Great Reset. I'm also going to tell you about a study that shows masks are not effective against the coronavirus, and they never have been. But before that, I'm going to read you a little letter one of our listeners sent me. It's titled, Controlling Husband. Food for thought. My friend's husband won't let her visit friends or family. He made her stop all contact with them unless it's by phone or computer. He reads and censors her comments on social media. He makes her feel like she's going crazy for thinking that he's controlling her and that she's being ungrateful. After all, he's only doing this because of how much he cares for her. He doesn't want her going to the gym anymore. He doesn't want her to go to work anymore. So she doesn't. He told her, you got to rely on me for income. He doesn't let her go out anymore unless it's for necessities. And when she does, he makes sure he has people in place to guilt trip her about it. He wants her to have a medical procedure done. And if she does it, she'll have more freedoms. And to top it all off, he's always telling her that he's only doing this because he cares. Oh, wait, did I say husband? I meant government. Here's the funny thing in society. You're all outraged if we do this to a spouse. It's called domestic violence. But when the government does it, you're completely okay. I'm not. So I just thought that was kind of clever because they're absolutely fucking right. In any other circumstance, what the government is doing to people would be considered domestic violence or domestic abuse. But because the media is backing it and framing it as the government cares about your health, the government cares about grandma, Everyone's just buying into it. And in what sane, rational society do they have babies and literal children take bullets for old people? They're making children get this vaccine to quote unquote protect grandma. That is so ass backwards that I'm not even going to fucking start on it. We're going to move on. So I was just talking about how the media is trying to reframe the coronavirus and basically brainwash millions of people. There's also a segment in the media that are calling for straight up ostracization of the unvaccinated. Let me read you a little story I found on a Canadian website by Amanda Spottiswood. As a responsible BC resident who is also a senior with grandchildren, I've received two doses of COVID vaccination and eagerly await my turn for the booster fucking gag. As any rational person can clearly see, we will never get out of this endless round of restrictions to our daily lives, including having to wear masks, until everyone is vaccinated. The ones still holding out are those who are seriously misled about the negative effects of vaccines and the supposed mildness of actually getting COVID. Not to mention that they believe that all the information coming from bona fide scientists has been manipulated. You simply cannot reason with these people. Although there are now quite a few things the unvaccinated cannot do, such as go to a sit-down restaurant or travel by air, there are still many things they can do, including they can go swimming in a public pool, shopping at the mall and all the stores, and traveling on BC ferries. And those unvaccinated can still visit winery tasting rooms and have their hair or nails done in a salon. Really? I know that some countries are heading towards bringing in mandatory vaccinations, 
but I believe that policy will likely backfire. With those who've avoided taking the vaccine to date, taking to the streets and protesting, maskless, and protests have the potential to turn violent. My belief is that much more effective way to convince those anti-vaxxers to get jabbed would be to bar them from all but essential services and make their lives isolated. In other words, ostracize them. So no liquor stores, no clothing stores, definitely no swimming pools, and no traveling on BC ferries, where the crews are now mandated to be vaccinated. In addition, no unvaccinated teachers should be allowed into schools. Please don't leave this up to individual school boards. It's hard to believe that a small minority of teachers are exposing our so far unvaccinated children under 12 years old to the possibility of getting Kabobo. And after a reasonable period of time, those parents who refuse to get their children vaccinated should have to keep them home and homeschool them. Also, as Singapore has suggested, those unvaccinated who do catch COVID and end up in the hospital should be made to pay for their own treatment. Why should the vast majority of us have rolled up our sleeves be made to pay for the idiocracy of the anti-vaxxers? So far, Dr. Bonnie Henry, Health Minister Adrian Dix, and the BC government have taken the quote-unquote softy-softy approach. They've done a wonderful job in getting the vast percentage of responsible British Columbians vaccinated and are now well on their way to protecting everyone over the age of five. Great job. Now it's time to take the gloves off and isolate, literally, the minority are holding out for baseless reasons and putting the rest of us at continued risk. Get the fuck out of here. This nonsense, and nonsense nearly identical, is being printed and talked about on news channels, everywhere in the world right now. It's a concerted effort to get citizens to turn on other citizens. It's basically the modern day segregation and modern day World War II separation of the Jews. I don't see what's so hard for people to see about this. It's fucking so clear as day. But apparently those people are completely cool with damaging the mental health of people that don't agree with them about vaccinations. All of this segregation and ostracization of citizens, though, is by design. It has been in the works from the powers that be, the New World Order, the quote-unquote elite, the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates is evil, all of these motherfuckers. This plan has been in motion for a very long time. So I'm about to break down the timeline of the Great Reset. As with everything I tell you guys, if you want a copy of this timeline, just shoot me an email at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. References are provided so you can check out the information and see that it's legit. I'm not just pulling this information out of my ass. I actually got a lot of the information from a Reddit user called Morpheus Industry. Now, it's very obvious that this person put hell of hours into compiling this information. And if anybody wants it, please shoot me an email and I will get it to you because it breaks it all down and shows you where everything started. So you may have heard the term, quote unquote, fourth industrial revolution. And that's a term coined by Klaus Schwab, the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum which describes itself as the International Organization for Public-Private Cooperation. 
So the timeline I'm about to break down for you just presents information based on the themes of the fourth industrial revolution. So we're going back nearly 20 years, June 22nd through June 23rd, 2001. The quote unquote dark winter exercise was held at Andrews Air Force Base in Washington, D.C. It portrayed a fictional scenario depicting a covert smallpox attack on U.S. citizens. So we're going to skip forward a few years, January 14th, 2005. The quote-unquote Atlantic Storm was a ministerial tabletop exercise convened on January 14, 2005 by the Center for Biosecurity of the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, the Center for Transatlantic Relations of John Hopkins University, and the Transatlantic Biosecurity Network. The exercise used a fictitious scenario designed to mimic a summit of transatlantic leaders forced to respond to a bioterror attack. During the six-hour meeting, the transatlantic leaders wrestled with the enormity and rapid pace of the emerging epidemics of smallpox, the tension between domestic politics and international relations, the challenge of controlling the movement of people across borders, and an international shortage of critical medical resources, such as smallpox vaccinations. September 7th and the 8th of 2006, Black Ice, Bioterrorism International Coordination Exercise. In the Black Ice scenario, six terrorists from Southeast Asia self-infect with smallpox and, while they're at their most contagious, travel by air to Central Asia. During their travel and upon arrival, the terrorists infect as many people as possible with the disease. National response capabilities are quickly overwhelmed and governments call upon international organizations for assistance in such areas as disease diagnosis and interventions, public health and law enforcement, investigations, coordinating transportation policies, and managing displaced populations. Fast forward to August 26, 2009. This is from a WikiLeaks cable. Russia declines the USG request to extend joint smallpox research through ISTC. May 2010, the Rockefeller Foundation publishes the scenario for future of technology and international develop. The section titled Lockstep presents a fictitious scenario of a pandemic and its aftermath. Quote, the Chinese government's quick imposition and enforcement of mandatory quarantine for all citizens, as well as its instant and near hermetic sealing off of all borders, saved millions of lives, stopping the spread of the virus far earlier than any other country, enabling a swifter post-pandemic recovery. During the pandemic, national leaders around the world flexed their authority, imposed airtight rules and restrictions. From the mandatory wearing of face masks to body temperature control checks at the entries to communal spaces like train stations and supermarkets. Even after the pandemic faded, this more authoritarian control and oversight of citizens and their activities stuck and even intensified. In developed countries, this heightened oversight took many forms biometric IDs for all citizens, for example, and tighter regulation of key industries whose stability was deemed vital to national interests. March 14, 2013, the U.S. is stockpiling drugs for a hypothetical smallpox bioattack. 
January 15, 2014. Ahead of the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland, Schwab announced that he hoped the WEF would push the reset button on the global economy. Hmm. January 22, 2014. The WEF publishes its meeting agenda. Quote, unquote, the reshaping of the world, consequences for society, politics, and business. Quote, Consequently, the United Nations Secretary General and Executive Secretary of the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change agreed with the World Economic Forum jointly advance public-private cooperation, action, ambition on climate change, and broader sustainability issues. Companies that deal with sensitive and critical information, such as those in financial services, should put cyber attacks at the top of their list of risks. While CEOs and corporate boards are increasingly becoming aware of the threat, not everyone knows how to respond to it effectively. In today's hyperconnected world, companies need to have dedicated IT teams to constantly monitor technology systems and devise ways to repel cyber attacks. Encryption is another line of defense as it a two-factor verification, requiring a username and password. Use of biometric information such as fingerprints and DNA are also useful techniques. So we fast forward to 2015. Rapid medical countermeasures response to infectious diseases, enabling sustainable capabilities through ongoing public and private sector partnerships. This is when we get to that dirty motherfucker, Peter Daszak. So Peter Daszak is the president of Echo Health Alliance. Daszak reiterated that until an infectious disease crisis is very real, present and at an emergency threshold, it is often largely ignored. To sustain the funding base beyond the crisis, he said, we need to increase public understanding of the need for MCMs. And MCM is just an abbreviation for medical countermeasures. So the need for MCMs such as pan-influenza or pan-coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media. And the economics follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get to the real issues. This part's just fucking lovely. Investors will respond if they see profit at the end of the process. Moving on to March 14th, 2015. This is a statement by Prime Minister Shinzo Abe at the high-level segment of the third UN World Conference on Disaster Risk Reduction. Quote, Japan is working on the reconstruction from the Great East Japan earthquake based on the idea of, quote unquote, build back better, which aims not simply to recover from the same situation that existed prior to the disaster, but rather build a society that is more resilient to disasters than before. So this is the first known time build back better was actually used in a speech and it kind of just went from there. So April 3rd, 2015. Bill Gates makes an appearance. When Bill Gates was asked how to respond to the next pandemic, he said, quote, and then we need to pair those medical people with the military, taking advantage of the military's ability to move fast, do logistics, and secure areas. Ugh, this fucking guy. September 25th, 2015, the UN adopts a new global goals, charting sustainable development for people and the planet by 2030. The 2030 Agenda compels us to look beyond national boundaries and short-term interests and act in solidarity for the long term. 
we can no longer afford to think and work in silos. Institutions will have to become fit for a grand new purpose. December 12th, 2015. So this is Klaus Schwab, The Fourth Industrial Evolution, What It Means and How to Respond. Engineers, designers, and architects are combining computational design, additive manufacturing, materials engineering, and synthetic biology to pioneer a symbiosis between microorganisms, our body, the products we consume, and even the buildings we inhabit. Governments will gain new technological powers to increase their control over populations based on pervasive surveillance systems and the ability to control digital infrastructure. Modern conflicts involving states are increasingly quote-unquote hybrid in nature, combining traditional battlefield techniques with elements previously associated with non-state actors. The distinction between war and peace, combatant and non-combatant, uneven violence and non-violence is becoming uncomfortably blurry. The tracking and sharing of information about us is a crucial part of the new connectivity. Debates about fundamental issues, such as the impact on our inner lives of the loss of our control over our data, will only intensify in the years ahead. Similarly, the revolutions occurring in biotechnology and AI, which are redefining what it means to be human by pushing back the current thresholds of lifespan, health, cognition, and capabilities, will compel us to redefine our moral and ethical boundaries. So that was excerpts from Klaus Schwab's book. In an interview in January 2016, Klaus Schwab, when asked about implants and when they will be implemented, he said, Clearly, in the next 10 years, at first we will implant them in our clothes, and then we could imagine that we will implant them in our brains or on our skin. And in the end, maybe there will be a direct communication between our brain and the digital world. What we see is a kind of fusion of the physical, digital, and biological world. He's talking about transhumanism. So, May 20th, 2016. This is the inaugural ID 2020 Summit brought together over 400 people to discuss how to provide unique digital identity to everyone on the planet including the 1.5 billion people living without any form of recognized identification. A public-private partnership is needed to bring together the broad group of stakeholders, provide coordination, and ensure that the best technologies innovations are implemented in a way that are appropriate, secure, and sustainable. So now we get to the World Economics Forum, I owe nothing, I have no privacy, and my life has never been better bullshit. So welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. In our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we do not need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. My biggest concern is all the people who do not live in our city, those we lost on the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs, those who got upset with the political system and turned against it. 
They live a different kind of lives outside the city. Some have formed self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, nowhere I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere, everything I do, think and dream of is recorded. I just hope nobody will use it against me. How fucking scary is that shit? And this is what Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, this is their goal. Now we fast forward to January 10th, 2017. Enter short man authoritarian Dr. Fauci. There is no question that there will be a challenge. The coming administration in the arena of infectious disease, there will be a surprise outbreak. February 6, 2017. The WEF publishes a video on social media. Eight predictions for the world in 2030. You'll own nothing. You'll be happy. The U.S. won't be the world's leading superpower. You'll eat much less. Polluters will have to pay to emit carbon dioxide. Western values will have been tested to the breaking point. April 1st, 2017, the Rockefeller Foundation awards a grant to Identity 2020 Systems, Inc. Towards the cost of establishing an alliance of governments, non-government organizations, and private sector companies committed to providing digital identity to populations currently lacking any type of formal identification. June 17th, 2017, Accenture, Microsoft team up on blockchain-based digital ID network. Build a digital ID network using blockchain technology as a part of United Nations supported project to provide legal ID to 1.1 billion people worldwide. The companies unveiled a prototype of the network on Monday at UN headquarters in New York during the second summit of ID 2020, a private public Consortium promoting the UN 2030 Sustainable Development Goals of providing legal identity for everyone on the planet. They want everybody in a fucking database. It's leading to social credit. Mark my word. But let's move on. June 28, 2017, the World Bank launches first ever pandemic bonds to support $500 million pandemic emergency financing facility. July 6, 2017. How Canadian researchers reconstituted an extinct pox virus for $100,000 using mail-order DNA. Eradicating smallpox, one of the deadliest diseases in history, took humanity decades and cost billions of dollars and lives. Bringing this back would probably take a small scientific team with little specialized knowledge, half a year and $100,000. So that's what it would cost to start a smallpox pandemic. So moving on to February 2018, according to Merriam-Webster, they define 79% of Americans as anti-vaxxers. Peter Sokolowski, editor-at-large of Merriam-Webster.com, said that the entry for anti-vaxxer was first added to the online dictionary in February 2018 and has not been revised or changed since. It has always defined it as a person who opposes vaccines or laws that mandate vaccines. And I included that one because it just kind of shows how slow and sneaky they have been trying to implant the idea that anti-vaxxers are evil. They don't like vaccines. They want your grandma to die. And it's coming from so many different angles. I'm shocked that anybody has seen through the bullshit and called them out. Moving on to June 13th, 2019. 
the World Economic Forum, and the United Nations sign a strategic partnership framework. The WEF and the United Nations signed today a strategic partnership framework outlining areas of cooperation to deepen institutional engagement and jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. The framework was drafted based on a mapping of existing collaboration between the two institutions and will enable more strategic, coordinated approach towards delivering impact. June 27, 2019 Former FDA Commissioner Scott Golieb joins Pfizer's Board of Directors. Hmm. July 24th, 2019. Just last year, the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the organization led by Dr. Fauci, funded scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other institutions for work on gain-of-function research on bat coronavirus. A second phase of the project, beginning that year, included additional surveillance work, but also gain-of-function research for the purpose of understanding how bat coronaviruses could mutate to attack humans. The project was run by Echo Health Alliance, a quote-unquote nonprofit research group, under the direction of President Peter Daszak, an expert on disease ecology. August 15, 2019, deadly germ research is shut down at Army Lab over safety concerns. The statement said the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention decided to issue a cease and desist order last month to halt the research at Fort Detrick because the center did not have sufficient systems in place to decontaminate wastewater from its highest security labs. August 22, 2019, so a meeting sponsored by the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City, Jackson Hole, Wyoming. This is where the term new normal came from. To address this quote-unquote new normal, we are conducting a public review of our monetary policy strategy, tools, and communications. The first of its kind for the Federal Reserve. We are evaluating the pros and cons of strategies that aim to reverse past misses of our inflation objective. We are examining the monetary policy tools we have used both in calm times and in crisis. So, yeah, I know you guys are hearing a lot of terms that are like kind of thrown in around nowadays, but this is where all of these terms originated. September 4th, 2019, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation spent $55 million on a pre-IPO equity investment into BioNTech, which later partnered with Pfizer to make its mRNA vaccine. Hmm. Fucking Bill Gates. September 5th, 2019, Common Health will enable Android phone users to access and share their electronic health records data with trusted apps and partners. September 12th, 2019, why did the Wuhan lab take database of 22,000 virus samples offline? Quote, the Batwoman, she, claimed that the database was taken down because of hacking attempts during the pandemic. But the database was actually taken down in September of 2019. This next date is kind of really important. September 18, 2019. Wuhan Customs holds 30-day countdown to military games and emergency response drills at ports. So I hadn't even heard of this until recently. I think Garrett was the one that pointed it out. But there were military games, kind of like the Military Olympics, with a whole bunch of different countries all showing up in Wuhan, China. Well, apparently after the games on the flight back to the United States, some of the U.S. Army soldiers were so sick with flu-like symptoms, they had, 30 of them had to be quarantined on this plane. 
So a lot of people are thinking this was actually the first worldwide contagion of the Kabobo-19 virus. September 19th, 2019, Executive Order 13887 called Modernizing Influenza Vaccines in the United States to Promote National Security and Public Health. September 20th, 2019, Foreign Policy published an article called The World Knows an Apocalyptic Pandemic is Coming but nobody is interested in doing anything about it. So back to that military games. So they started the quarantine 30 days before the actual games went down on October 18, 2019. This addition marks the first time that the games have been staged outside the military barracks and for the first time, all the events are held in one city. Hmm. October 18, 2019. Event 201 simulated the effects of a fictional coronavirus originating in bats, but passing to humans via pigs. This is the Event 201, the one everyone talks about. The John Hopkins Center for Health and Security, in partnership with the World Economic Forum and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, hosted Event 201, a high-level pandemic exercise. The exercise illustrated areas where public and private partnerships will be necessary during the response to a severe pandemic in order to diminish large-scale economic and societal consequences. They fucking just basically predicted the pandemic. November 19, 2019, China's first confirmed COVID-19 case traced back to November 17th. December 12, 2019, this is an alleged leak document. It's the confidential disclosure agreement between NIAID, Moderna Therapeutics, and its affiliates. MRNA coronavirus vaccine candidates developed and jointly owned by NIAID and Moderna. December 19, 2019, Bill Gates. What's next for our foundation? I'm particularly excited about what the next year could mean for one of the best buys in global health, vaccines. This motherfucker wants more money. He's already like, what, the second or third richest person in the world, but he needs more money from sickness and vaccines. So December 27th, 2019, France gets its first known case. January 8th, 2020. 2019 had the most CEO departures on record with more than 1,600. A staggering 1,640 CEOs left their posts in 2019, the highest year on record since Challenger Gray and Christmas began tracking in 2002. January 11th, 2020. Chinese researchers reveal draft genome of virus implicated in Wuhan pneumonia outbreak. So check this out. Ralph Barrick, a coronavirus researcher at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, notes that of the four known SARS-related bat virus capable of infecting humans, this one is the most distant from SARS itself. After downloading the sequence last night, his lab immediately began to try to reverse engineer a live virus from the sequence, which can be helpful to develop antibody tests and to start experiments on animal models. Quote, if you want to have a strong public health response, you have to do this quickly, says Barrick, who leads one of the few labs in the world that can recreate coronaviruses just from their sequences. So I know that is a lot of information, but... It is a very accurate timeline of when all of this power grab kind of began. So like I said earlier, if you would like to see this document, which also has sources provided, 
please send me an email at vanishedinthevalley at gmail.com. So yeah, I just have to thank Morpheus Industry for making the Great Reset Timeline. I can see just from all that you put into this that you worked your ass off on it. I love that there's references for everything you put here. It's awesome work. And I hope as many people as possible read this document and spread it. So people know this plan has been in motion for almost two decades. I think the end goal here is social credit, digital money, and complete control and surveillance by governments of its people. And 100% no if, ands, or buts, this needs to be stopped. The time for sitting on the sidelines and cheering is over. You guys need to get up and join the resistance. So many people for so long have been saying that this virus, quote unquote, leaked from a lab in Wuhan, and we were called crazy nutjob conspiracy theorists. But as of yesterday, this is now the explanation for how COVID-19 got all over the world, created the pandemic. So we all said in the beginning, they're going to try to create vaccine passports. We got called conspiracy theorists for it. They have vaccine passports. It's here in California. It's in New York. It's all over the world. Everybody at this point has got to step up and do something. You cannot wait for somebody else to solve this problem for you because we are so outnumbered by people completely brainwashed by the powers that be, by the media, all of those dirty, greedy motherfuckers. They want to hoard all of the Earth's resources and dole it out as they see fit. It cannot be allowed to happen. Life as we know it will end. It's becoming and well on its way to a dystopian nightmare come true. Okay, and before I get out of here, can we just talk about all the quote unquote elite pedophiles that have been brought down in the last few days? We have got the CNN guy, John Griffin, and now a Sony CEO was just arrested for trying to pick up a 15-year-old boy on Grindr. It seems like more and more every single day some pedophile shit is going down. Instagram has no shit blocked the hashtag pedophile. I'm just like, is this because of Ghislaine Maxwell's trial? Why can't we hashtag that word? The judge already ruled that the names in Ghislaine's little black book will not be released to the public. So that's very convenient for all those pedophiles. So in the beginning of this episode, I told you I was going to tell you about how masks are not effective. I came across a study that found so far, most studies found little to no evidence for the effectiveness of face masks in the general population, neither as personal protective equipment nor as a source control. And they go on to list 13 studies by different researchers, such as the British Medical Journal, we have German researchers, we have the University of Illinois, the American Institute of Physics. All of these studies are saying masks don't work. There is no measurable safety when you're wearing a mask. But somehow California is back on a statewide mask mandate, which I, I'm no, I just cannot do it. I will not participate in medical theater at all, ever. I stopped wearing a mask last year during the mandates to wear them. So at this point, if some store, some employee says, you got to wear a mask, I'll leave. I'll take my business and money to some corporation, some small business, whatever, 
that isn't going to enforce mandates that are completely unconstitutional and have no scientific basis. Now, if you want a link to this study that shows the 12 different studies about how masks don't work, shoot me an email and I will happily get it over to you. Now, I know the Great Reset timeline is a lot of information to digest and it might be easier if you just saw it right in front of you. So please email me and I will get that over to you so you can see it in black and white. And it just kind of makes more sense with that timeline, how everything has gotten to where we are and where they are trying to lead us. So like I keep saying, you guys need to not be on the sidelines any longer. You need to participate to bring this tyranny down or life as we know it is over. So if you made it this far in the podcast, thank you. I do have to thank California, New Jersey, and Texas. You guys are in my top three spots. I appreciate your downloads and all the new countries that keep coming on. I appreciate you guys listening and join the resistance and hold the line. But as I always tell you, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao.